0: Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that Those Sci-Fi
1: Guys show. Just two working dudes, two different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the love that comes with... or the fun that comes with. Ah, I messed it up, but it doesn't matter. I'm P.S. McKay, sitting here wondering when the groundhog would ever n- not see his shadow and invite an in early spring for once in this freaking... freak... freak... Existence
2: Take a deep breath man
1: (laughs) Every year He sees a shadow Every year it's six more weeks of winter Every year I think it's sixteen times that he's That he's not seen a shadow Sixteen times in the existence of The official Punxsutawney Phil
0: Um Franchise (laughs)
2: And I'm DT Cavman, and we had to postpone my intro for his rant about a rodent.
1: All I'm saying, you are more affected by this than I am. I was literally up in the mountains at 4,000 feet in the middle of January wearing shorts. So...
2: First off, fuck you. (laughs) And second of all, it's not Foxitani Phil I have an issue with, it's... uh. You know, you got to be careful if the uh, Surgeon General pops out and sees Dr. Fauci. It's like six more years of COVID. <laughs> Remember that. Badoom, folks. Badoom. <laughs> and that's a joke, folks. That's a joke. I am. He's a true victim of COVID, guys. I am a He's true victim. victim of COVID. So I, I definitely uh, <laughs> am not opposed to you know the vaccines got my vaccines you know i I, i'm perfectly okay with with taking precautions but man do i really do wish we could we can get back to normal
1: oh my god
2: i don't Uh mind the six feet between me and most other people though (laughs) at least in a line you know
1: you know what i realize that i can live without handshakes I am well, more than happy to not see handshakes come back.
2: They're going to come back with a vengeance because I of how know. much people this, you know, touching
1: other other alpha male bullshit. I mean,
2: fist bumping. That, you, gonna...
1: you know, you know that handshakes are an alpha male tool, right?
2: Well, since as an alpha male, I I understand that.
0: Yeah, and me and, as subversive. And, and
2: I thought you were just going to say in me as a tool, but no. okay.
0: I, I missed it. God damn it.
2: <laughs> I leave these softballs hanging and up for you, you and you, you
1: miss. Yeah, I do. I do.
2: Yes, I know. It's, it's an old custom. You know, to be honest with you, uh, this isn't the first time that, you know, I've had people banned for shaking hands. My first tour in Iraq, they recommended we postpone shaking hands at least for the first few weeks we got to theater because of how many people ended up getting Saddam's revenge.
1: Oh God, was that a thing? That yeah. a, that's a thing. Is it the water?
2: The water. Some of the food. Everybody spent plenty uh. of time declaring war on various Porter Johns and. Uh, <laughs> Crowded latrine facilities. Yeah, no,
1: oh, I get that's it. It's terrible. First of all, you have to go to Iraq, well, and then second of all, there's a second wave. Like, <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, oh my god! You know, some people think uh, you know the people who carry hand sanitizer around now are nuts. I've been doing that since 2006. They yeah. recommended it to us. They're like, yeah, carry hand sanitizer around. There's a lot of shit everywhere, so.
1: <laughs> well, here's my question. I mean, isn't it inevitable
3: life-
1: if you're in Iraq, isn't it inevitable that you would get Saddam's revenge per your parlance?
2: Well, you get these various intestinal issues. You'll see them a lot in early days of, of, of in warfare in foreign countries particularly extremely you know foreign on you know to the people arriving because of the climate mm. the the food the local food and water. is not, is not the same and yeah, you'll get that
1: oh, I'll tell you I got Captain Cook's revenge in Australia and then when I was in France, I got Louis Pascal's revenge
0: so <laughs> Louis Pascal
1: uh, he was the father of Uh, No, I'm sorry. Louis Pasteur. The (laughs) pasteurizing process.
2: I think you're thinking too much about The Mandalorian, my friend.
1: A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A review that will come at another time. But all I'm saying is even in Western countries, intestinal revenge can be (laughs) pretty debilitating. (laughs)
2: Montezuma's revenge in Mexico. Ooh.
1: Yeah, you know what? I went. to I've been to Mexico exactly once for about three and a half, maybe four hours, um,
0: Tijuana to be exact, and I managed to stay away from the water.
2: Yeah, that's why you drink tequila and
1: oh, um, tequila no and, and tequila and vodka. There, there's not enough high enough. There's not a high enough alcohol percentage to kill it in the in the ice. So (laughs) don't get the ice. ice. I didn't get the ice. I got beer, pre-bottled beer, you know, where it was legal at 18. (laughs) Actually, I think it was 19, 19 or 20, but whatever. Um, Yes, mom. Yes, I went to I went to Tijuana and that's what happened.
2: (laughs) When I was 18, I was out in international waters and I was having vodka tonics.
1: Well, you deserved it. So Oh wait. At
2: eighteen I was on a cruise with my parents. <laughs> I was still Oh no. High
1: no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I mistook your service for your parents wanting disregard and neglect.
2: So <laughs> International Waters. My dad bought me my first drink. And in international waters, eighteen was legal.
1: You were okay, what cruise were you on?
2: Oh was uh like Norwegian or something.
1: Okay, would not. Okay, so it's Norwegian. So what's the what's the port of call for Norwegian? Is it
2: Norway? No, but I think it might be where it's flagged. Yeah, I mean, where it's flagged. I remember all of, you know, doesn't matter. I wasn't on a US Navy vessel, it's fine.
1: No, I know that. I know that. No, I'm just I'm just trying to drill down to see because international law says the country that the, the, the ship is flagged in, those laws shall prevail on deck.
2: Right? Hmm. There's a reason, and plus with all the taxes, there's a reason why most cruise ships and other things are not flagged out of the U.S.
1: Well, oh, yeah. Well, our taxes are pretty bullshit,
0: so. Anyway, so we're here to discuss actual sci-fi stuff. <laughs> uh
1: anything else you want to add dt before we get into the uh tonight's topic
2: yeah let's get it on man all right
1: okay so we did a few weeks back uh a review of some notable sci-fi ships namely larger ships multi you know multi-personal crew ships uh we 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 spent an entire episode Capital talking physics, about the different e- uh, enterprises,
2: and uh,
1: we talked about the Millennial Falcon, right?
2: No, we and talked how it was about borderline. the Firefly, about the Serenity. Oh, and the Serenity, yeah. And after that, I realized we probably should have kicked it to this list.
1: That's right,
2: that's Auxiliary right. Auxiliary craft, small, limited craft.
1: Small, limited, small Fighters craft, fighter craft. Destroyed. Lightcraft, like things like that.
2: And Bob so, Kraft.
1: And Bob Kraft. <laughs> greatest NFL owner in history. But I digress. <laughs> um, by the way, that dude, he got he got a supermodel girlfriend six months after Myra Kraft died.
2: I'm claiming senility.
1: is that what you're claiming it
2: it it makes it less creepy for me
1: he needs a bed nurse is that what it is moving along aside from the judgment okay so this week we're going to be talking about uh smaller craft sci-fi um uh staples so we have we have a couple lists that we're going to go through. I don't honestly I don't foresee this going into two two parts.
2: Do you No, I don't. Um, OK. I don't think we need to dive in as deep as on a couple of on a lot of these. I mean obviously we start off with probably the king of all of these small craft with the Millennium Falcon. One of the most recognizable ship names not named Enterprise and it's all of sci-fi.
1: True. Before we dig in, before we dig in, are we talking about a specifically named ship or a class ship? Because there are some that are notable that are not named.
2: Well, we can we can we can play a little with these like an X-Wing or a Star Fury. Or, okay.
0: OK. Or
2: uh, uh, what were the ones in Battlestar? Uh, Vipers. Vipers.
1: The Vipers. Oh, the Vipers. That wasn't yeah. on my list.
2: They do kind of look like X-wings without the wings, to a degree. Well,
1: but they what, were pretty think, cool looking. How do you think they got them? They took an X-wing model and kit, uh, kit bashed it <laughs> by taking off the wings for the show. Did they really? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, actually, no. Battlestar was inspired by Star Wars. Yeah, they were. They were inspired by Star Wars.
2: Yeah, well, it came out in the late 70s, probably after Star Wars yeah. and Star Trek. So but I would be surprised
1: if they kitbashed a, a, an X-Wing model. Anyway. All right,
2: let's divide this episode in half, okay? We name off a few larger small craft, and then we do fighters as a
0: separate. How's that? Fine. Fine. They don't have to be fighters, by the way. There's all their small craft,
1: too. Whatever. OK. All right. You mentioned the Millennial Falcon.
2: Millennium Falcon, not millennial.
1: Wait a minute. Hold on. I thought that you were required to be like wearing really black, you know, really tall black socks with shorts with sandals when you got on the Millennial Falcon.
2: Is that, no, do that, I have that wrong? Be, yeah, that would also be my grandfather. Hmm. The Boomer Falcon. Is
1: terrible, terrible. It's a terrible deal. Okay. Millennium Falcon.
2: (laughs) Arguably one of the most iconic ships in all of science fiction.
1: Agreed. Next to the Enterprise.
2: Right there next to a, uh, you know, with its, the two, two of the coolest dudes in all of sci-fi, Han (laughs) Solo and Chewbacca.
1: I was going to say C-3PO, but yeah, you beat me. (laughs) Originally
2: owned by one of the most suave men in all of sci-fi, Lando Calrissian.
1: Oh, Lando. Good old Lando. (laughs) And we got to see its auspicious beginnings in Solo, a Star Wars story.
2: It was interesting.
1: I felt like they showed too much of it. it. That one little episode of the movie set up the, millennial, the Millennium Falcon for the rest of the Star Wars series, basically.
2: Hey, look, all I know is more Millennium Falcon, the better.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Weren't there other... Uh, that's a Corellian Cruiser, right? Or a Corellian... Core- uh, uh,
2: Corellian Freighter.
1: Corellian Freighter. The Cruisers... Okay, hold on. No, we'll talk about it later. Uh, so the, the Corellian Freighters... Have a, an escape shuttle on the front, right?
2: That was an aftermarket add-on by Lando. Okay. So the reason why it has that cut is because they're like pushers; oh, they that's carry their right. own stuff. It's almost like a reverse tugboat, like they push things.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: A YT thirteen hundred Corellian light freighter.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's the fastest sh- uh, ship in the in the quadrant.
2: Point five past light speed. Made the castle <laughs> run in less than twelve parsecs.
1: None of that. All of that means nothing. It means nothing.
2: <laughs> or even better, Kevin Spacey doing Christopher Walken as a as the uh, the interview for. Uh, Han Solo it was an old... It was a Saturday Night Live skit. Oh, no,
0: when the really? Special,
2: when the special editions came out, they had a whole bunch of...
3: Oh. Unseen...
2: It was, like, um... Uh... Cast... Audition... Footage, and it was, like... Spacey playing Christopher Walken... Doing Han Solo, and... You had, uh... Daryl Hammond playing... Uh playing Richard Dreyfuss, auditioning for Chewbacca. <laughs> and, of course, Norm MacDonald as Burt Reynolds doing Darth Vader.
1: Oh, my God.
2: What I'm kind actually of looking
1: for it right now.
2: It's great. Don't dive into it. We don't have time for that. We might. Put it, put it on... Well, you're on the West Coast. You can watch it after we're done.
1: <laughs> All right. So, uh, the Corellian Freighter... Star Wars, fastest ship in, in the the Quadrant. Um, you know what I felt like was weird? Was they can... And I, I don't know what you think of this. I understand where they were going. I felt it was weird, though, that they kept showing how crappier that ship was getting on the inside and in quality.
2: Well, obviously Han and Chewie weren't exactly... You know... <laughs> very kempt, you know. No, I mean, they were not kept men. They were kempt. Kempt. That's not what I well said. Well groomed. Yes. Uh, they were whip. Yeah. <laughs> they were
0: scruffy looking nerf herders. <laughs> yeah, they were scruffy looking. They were. Um, okay, fine. Well,
2: Han was Chewie's was always pretty well groomed.
0: Well, Chewie
1: was well-refined. He actually yeah. was, he was the emotional, he was the, he was the pathos of that, that duo. Well,
2: he, he, he had more of a conscience than Han, at least at the beginning, we'll call it that way.
3: hmm
2: Now, let me yep. say <laughs> this. You have one of the coolest ship captains in sci-fi with the coolest co-pilot. Hands yep. down, there's no other co-pilot in, star- in science fiction better than Chewbacca.
0: Okay. Is that where you're going? Because I thought you were going somewhere. No, I'm a big Chewbacca oh. fan.
1: Always have <laughs> on It sounded like you were leading to a point other than just making a statement. So <laughs>
2: but the Millennium Falcon obviously it had a few different owners. It's Appeared in all three uh, trilogies.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Is Wait it...
0: a minute. Did it? It was in the prequels?
2: Remember when they're... After the crash of the uh, Invisible Hand, you know, the the whole opening scene of uh, Revenge of the Sith? There's Wait, well,
1: a... yeah, the battle, the battle for Coruscant.
2: Right. So as they're going back into the Senate, there's a... You can see if you watch, and it's pretty clear there's a YT 1300, you know, Corellian uh, fl- freighter flying into one of the hangars of the Senate building.
0: Mm, but now, not that ship.
2: In the old expanded universe, it was that ship. Someone wrote that in there because there was a book oh. called Millennium Falcon, which the book takes place like, I don't know. 35 40 years after the original
3: mm-hmm.
2: trilogy, and it it follows Han and Leia, or Han and his granddaughter, tracing back the history of who owned the Falcon, because Lando wasn't who owned it first. And so there was a lot of great, neat little stories part of this adventure as you follow. Oh, that sounds like that. that sounds like a fun little book. It was, and it was all part of the expanded universe and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Uh, it also it also appeared in Star Trek: First Contact. Uh, yes. <laughs> in the battle with the Borg Cube at the beginning, <laughs> over Earth.
2: Why do you think they did much better than at Wolf Three
1: Five Nine? Yeah, <laughs> they had the Defiant. That's why.
2: <laughs> anyway, so it's cool. It's kind of like supposed to be like this hot rod in space, mm-hmm. but it's also. <laughs> I've heard it compared to you know your uh, your 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 weed dealer's van.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's he's accurate. a smuggler.
2: He was a smuggler. That's accurate. <laughs> but you know, still. Iconic <laughs> you know, they built a pretty close to a life size replica at Disney now, so it's,
0: it's, You've not been, have you?
2: Uh, no, not. Not since it was put in. No,
1: I've been I've been to to uh, Star Wars Land. What do they call it?
2: Galaxy's Edge.
1: Galaxy's Edge. I've been there to Bantu or whatever, and uh, a couple times, three times actually. Holy shit! Got it. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's an interesting. It, it's it's really cool to see it like there, and like it, I think it's like an eighty percent size replica. It's very convincing. Excellent. Yeah. So,
2: all right. right, My turn. Uh, Real quick before we get into that. Like we mentioned before, folks, the Serenity probably belongs on this list. So, this is an an honorable mention to this list. It was probably wrongly put on the previous uh, Starship list. Just felt it deserved its place here. It's an honorable mention. Take it away, Mac.
1: I'm sure the neckbeards in their mother's uh, basements were furiously typing away to tell us this. So, all right. Um, I'm going to switch it up here and do Gunstar from The Last Starfighter.
2: Ooh. Is that the the starfighter he flew in?
1: That was the the starfighter that he flew, and he was a starfighter. It was the 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 name of the ship was the Gunstar. It was the Gunstar class. Um, at least that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking it is. Uh, Wikipedia is a little light on the mythos of that movie, but um, and I, I haven't been able to watch it in ten years. But I, I remember watching that
2: early eighties nostalgia.
1: Oh my god! First of all. Notable in Hollywood for being the first fully CGI ship um, as like a main ship, or all the CG, all the, the space scenes were CGI and really well done too for 1985. I, I mean, think about that. Uh, your computer that you're doing this on that you could barely record the podcast
3: on
1: <laughs> is millions of times more powerful than the supercomputer that was used to render all that stuff uh, for that movie, that Hollywood quality movie.
2: I can download the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I meant produce it, but that's fine. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I I love it. Uh, I love the blossom fire effect that, that that they were able to use at the very end, where it just spun everywhere and destroyed Xur's uh, fleet um uh, really well done uh also, and also just to talk about the last starfighter probably one of the best soundtracks out there oh that's the subject we need to do
2: best sci-fi soundtracks uh-huh uh-huh uh, we, we obviously know guardians is going to need to be in
0: there
1: oh yeah yeah well let's not let's write it down and not not talk about it anymore so what did you watch The Last
2: Starfighter? I've seen it, but it's probably been 20 years,
1: 20 years. OK, it was 10 years for me. It was right before uh, McKay Jr. was born,
2: like mm. literally
1: a week and a half before he was born. Um, I saw it for the first time in its entirety, mm. because back in 1988, when it was on the Disney Channel and when we subscribed to the Disney Channel, uh, the android that replaced Andy, the main character on Earth, when Andy went off into space. Had this scary, crazy scene where he's under the covers and then he removes the covers as soon as he's by himself. And he's got this translucent, bubbly skin. And it looks so menacing because he's trying—he's transforming. This android is transforming into Andy's form. But it's taking a while. So that, that scarred me. That was terrible. so I couldn't watch it until I was 29 years old um and Will Wheaton was in that movie Will Wheaton Will Wheaton uh he was in it but he was cut out you can see
0: his feet in the last scene so
3: yeah anyway
0: alright what's next Gunstar well it's your turn
2: well You know what I I've grown to like, you know, as I've rewatched Deep Space 9 is I've really I really do like the runabout.
0: Oh, runabout's good.
2: The Danube class runabout. You know.
1: What was the other class? Did we see any other classes? No. No. Okay. They've
2: hinted that other smaller classes that they've seen might have been other types of runabouts, but the only true runabout we've ever really seen is the Danube class which was shown In Deep Space Nine and one episode of The Next Generation. I'm surprised that we didn't see more. Oh, and maybe one episode in Voyager.
1: Oh, maybe, yeah. I'm surprised we didn't see more of the runabouts in in TNG.
2: Well, they only came up in Deep Space Nine. It was developed for that.
1: Yeah, for a long-range shuttle that was more than a shuttle, but less than a starship because they needed to get somewhere to leave. You know, from the station.
2: Yeah, you know, the earlier versions were like limited to like warp five or warp six. They didn't have a super powerful armament unless they had. I'll tell you, when they would put that that uh, Reliant class starship roll bar on the top, they kind of looked kind of badass. That you know, it was oh, it's a sensor pod, or oh, it's a science pod, or oh, it's loaded (laughs) with photon torpedoes. Check, please. I'll take Mm -hmm. that.
1: That is true. That is true. You know,
2: the middle is supposed to be modular, kind of like, you know, you could take that out and add like like a science package or something, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't realize was... that.
2: Mm-hmm. Supposedly, according Supposedly. to like the technical manuals and stuff that they right. publish for people who have no lives or bored on deployments and stuff like that. <laughs>
1: Like how there, there, there was theoretically a captain's yacht on the Enterprise, which I literally read. I literally read, yeah, in the encyclopedia. I reread that, and then I went to see Star Trek Insurrection. Actually, with you, right?
2: Yes, we went to see first con generations, first contact, and inter- insurrection together. I believe. Yep.
1: And we saw insurrection, and then they brought out the captain's yacht. I'm like,
3: son of a bitch. Which, by the way,
2: according to all written information, is that the captain's yacht on board, the Enterprise-E, is really the same size as a shuttlecraft. Or not a shuttlecraft, a a runabout. It basically mirrors the interior of a runabout.
1: Well, that makes sense, because they used a runabout set.
2: Yes, so... (laughs) But I like the runabout. It was always neat. Of course, Deep Space Nine—they were always getting blown up. Can you name the only one that never got blown up?
1: Oh my God! Was it the Rio?
2: The Rio Grande—the only Rio one Rio yeah—that was offloaded by the Enterprise in the Emissary and made it all the way through.
0: Yep, that was the only one. Never seen
2: it getting blown up. So <laughs> if you wanted to go anywhere, go on the Rio Grande.
1: The only type of of ship that was blown up, the only ship that was blown up more than the runabouts in Deep Space Nine were the Class C shuttles in Voyager.
2: Yeah. Voyager had, like, an unlimited group
1: of shuttles. I mean, they lost a bunch of shuttles.
2: The Enterprise, the Enterprise D, they all had shuttle issues, but, like, Runabout issues in Deep Space Nine were akin to like transporter or hol- you know transporter accidents in the original series and mm-hmm. and, and holodeck accidents in the next yes.
1: generation. Oh my god!
2: They were they were <laughs> and you know they were pretty tough. You know they they you know they had they showed some decent stuff. They were enjoyable. I liked the runabouts.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know I I think. As cool as the Millennium Falcon is, you know, the runabout is definitely it's got a little bit more creature comfort than them.
1: I just realized that I don't have my Star Trek encyclopedia anymore.
0: Do you?
2: I, I did because my mother sent me a like box of all these old books from the house. Yeah.
0: You're at that point where your
1: parents are unloading all your crap on you now.
2: <laughs> they've, they've been doing it for years, but you I know, know any time we anywhere close, be like, "Here, here's a box of stuff. Get it out yep. of
3: here."
1: <laughs> I know. I remember my father when I was in college. No, right after I graduated, he's like, "Hey, I got a bunch of your stuff here. I can ship out to you." I'm like, "Yeah, I, I live in an apartment in downtown L.A. Uh, Dad, I, I got no room. There, there's nothing here." Here, <laughs> there's nothing.
2: Okay. And then I moved
1: into an apartment in Pasadena, which was there even less room. So anyway. um,
2: I don't know. What do you think? Did you enjoy the runabouts? I always found them, to, particularly as I've gotten older, I've really appreciated the runabouts.
1: I was fond of the runabouts, absolutely. I, I, I didn't like them at first. First of all, I went kicking and screaming into Deep Space Nine because it wasn't TNG. I think a lot of Star Trek fans were like that, um, but obviously it grew on me. And, and but I, I always felt that the runabouts at the beginning, anyway, were underpowered, undergunned, and unnecessary.
2: Which is why they gave you the Defiant overpowered yeah. and
3: overgunned
1: <laughs> they, they, and totally they went, badass. They went the exact opposite direction. Exactly. I'm like, you're exploring the Delta Quadrant and you have these crappy little runabouts that are going to be the scouts here.
2: <clears throat> Gamma.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. My, my apologies. It's been, a, it's been a long day getting from there to here.
2: Excellent. Uh, All right. So what are we on to next? The DeLorean, not a spacecraft.
1: It is stop a space it. and time craft. No, stop that. It is a not space a and time craft. Vehicle. Stop Fine, it. Tardis.
2: Eh, I'll give you
1: spacecraft. It's a spacecraft. It's a light vehicle.
2: I'll let you go with that.
1: So, are you? A, have you watched Doctor Who?
2: No, I am not a Doctor Who guy.
1: I, I'm not either. I've watched the first. OK, how do I describe this? Because
0: I've watched the first, the first of the season edition. of the
1: modern of the modern take on it. Um, and I'm halfway through the second season of the modern take or series, if you will, if you're British. Um, it's actually pretty good sci fi.
2: I've heard it's just not something I've dived into. No, you
1: know,
3: and
2: or whatever. It's not anything I've ever been into and it's fine. I am but, not anti I I would rather watch Doctor Who than I would re, would uh, watch Harry Potter. So I'll put it to you that way. Really? Yes.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: Not, We're not have to really. We're going to delve into, into this. Harry Potter. No, we will not.
1: We'll have to delve into this.
2: No, yes. we won't.
1: Like David Viscott. Oh, stop. Go back. What was that? David Viscott was a radio uh, psychologist.
2: I'm more afraid (laughs) the crane myself. (laughs) Anyway,
1: caller, I'm listening.
2: Captain Bateson, is that you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you called him by name. Wow. All right. So, no, the TARDIS, Um, probably the most versatile vehicle you could ever see. It had a cloaking device. It was it was cloaked in plain sight with its its police box thing which doesn't exist anymore i don't think um
2: was it a police box
1: yeah it was a police box like a phone box a phone booth specifically to call the,
2: the police, police. <laughs> that's very
1: british it really is right well i mean it's like the college college campuses where you have the blue light phones
2: yeah i always thought that was a good idea
1: it was a great idea and i i would love to know when those were first implemented but anyway um, to be
2: honest with you, the best thing, if they still have them, they need to have a camera on them. That's what they need now.
1: Yes, they do. Although, uh, you have a Big Brother thing going on at that point. But if it's a private campus, you can do it. Uh, Catholic school. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Methodist school, technically.
2: Big, but Big uh, Brother. I had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I had. I didn't need big brother. I had
1: the G-O-D, man. Yeah, <laughs> the G-O-D. Ah! Oh, my God. That's right. And, and his <laughs>
2: boys, uh, JC and A- HG, uh-huh. man. <laughs> so know, the TARDIS, I, very versatile. Yes, very versatile. Bigger um, on the inside than on the bigger. outside.
1: Well, it played with space and time, literally. You know, it played with how space worked on the inside and played with how it moved through space and time around.
2: Excellent. I like that. Yeah. So,
1: anyway. Go anywhere,
2: do anything, and fits conveniently where Phone booths used to be.
1: (laughs) It shows up in the middle of Cardiff, Wales, just, you know, on the river walk. So...
2: (laughs) Well... The Welsh, uh, they're an interesting (laughs) bunch, right?
1: Oh, I love the the Welsh uh,
0: accent, by the way. It gives me tingles.
2: Well, that's interesting.
0: Well, I'm just saying. It's a great accent.
2: Fair enough. (laughs) Let's see. On to the next one.
0: Well, we've had some interesting ones.
3: Uh, we, um,
0: trying to think if there's other small ships that I can
2: really think about that I think would, oh, the Planet Express ship. Boom.
1: Oh, we talked about that in the other one, too.
2: Dark matter engines.
1: Was it a dark matter engine?
2: Quiet, you. Okay. Of course it is.
1: I'm not I'm not questioning, I'm verifying. I mean, <laughs> there's a difference there. Huh? Okay. That was the basis of the entire show of Futurama, the Planet Express.
2: Except when they didn't do any of it, and people would go, hey, weren't we we're a delivery company? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the entire basis of, of the pilot, where Fry was a delivery guy, and he wanted to be something different and in the future. He became a delivery guy again. in space (laughs) in space
2: but to be honest with you it's a good looking ship
1: they also retrofitted it to look like the enterprise during the enterprise the star trek uh anniversary it's been
2: refit several times it's painted (laughs) pink it's had its nose chopped off it's it it gets wrecked all the time it but it's just a great looking ship that's true the the color is electric mucus.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a retro looking ship
2: for. No, that's the color. I know. Like, what is that puke? For your <laughs> for your information, is. it's electric mucus, which I think is hysterical. So yes, the color of it, the Planet Express ship, is electric mucus. <laughs> it has traveled back in time. On a couple of occasions.
1: Oh, did it go to Roswell?
2: It did go to Roswell.
1: It did go to Roswell. Was it did it crash at Roswell?
2: No, Bender crashed at Roswell.
1: Oh, Bender crashed. Okay. Well it
2: did, but they discovered Bender and that's what they said was the UFO. Can I but, say McKay uh,
1: Jr. watched that episode? And then at the holy... very end. At the very end he lost his shit. He laughed so hard realizing what the implications were with Fry. Like, <laughs> and like, you in, know, in he couldn't stop laughing for 10 minutes. And I'm yeah. sitting here going, you're 11. You're 11 and you find this hilarious. Yeah. I raised yeah. you right. I raised you right. <laughs>
2: Still, it's a fun <laughs> ship. It has the little gun turret. It it has cargo space. You know, it ha- the. Uh, I, I like the fact that the landing pad also doubles as the staircase to go in.
1: Uh-huh. No, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: It seems practical.
1: More than practical. Uh, yeah.
2: So, anyway, it I've always enjoyed it. It's a fun ship. It it does fit our um it it fits our criteria, I think. I think so. I think so. Do you have any other uh, of these type of ships or do we want to transition into like smaller more like fighter style? One, one or two persons. This, this here. might
1: transition. I'm not sure. Fire spray.
2: Oh yes. AKA that...
1: slave ship one.
2: No, no, just slave. slave
1: one. Fire spray.
2: In Russia, it's Slav one.
1: Slav one. <laughs> slave one. <laughs> uh, great ship. Boba Fett's ship that looks like a shoe. It literally looked like a shoe in, in um, The Empire Strikes Back.
2: Yeah,
3: Which Tell was an interesting design.
2: Cool in last season of The Mandalorian where you actually saw like the gears moving when they were actually talking on the inside.
0: And...
1: I, I lost my shit when I saw that because it was like the direct and the directors intentionally did this because they wanted the audience to see what it was like inside Boba Fett's ship when it transitioned like that. Mm-hmm. Just just to give that experience away, my God, there are fans writing that show. Like, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, yeah. And we got to see the
0: inside of of that ship in um attack of the Clones, didn't we?
2: No, just the just the cockpit.
0: Yeah, yeah, the cockpit. We got to see the inside of the cockpit, at least. We never got to see it in Empire Strikes Back, right?
2: Uh, Maybe? I don't know. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. Oh, shoot, this might require a rewatch.
2: Rewatching Empire is never a bad thing.
1: No. (laughs) Probably the most rewatchable of all the Star Wars movies. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the giant chicken's Boba Fett. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I bought that Blu-ray edition, by the way.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, bought, I, I owned them all at one point. They were good. But, yeah, it's... A, it's Tell me, it's best weapon isn't those Sonic Mines, man. Oh,
0: Don't my God. Mm. Yeah.
2: I, I love when Fennec dropped. We won't spoil it.
0: <laughs>
3: no. That was
2: a pretty good move.
0: Yes. Uh, Actually, you know, okay. You know, you
2: know, those questions, like you, know, you ever see those memes where it's like, "Can you hear this picture?" And
0: yeah, <laughs> and then it's
2: just that picture, you know. It's like, or you can't hear a picture, and then someone posted a, 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 uh, a you know, the, the picture, picture of that, one. or of the, um, the sonic charge and the in the asteroid field from yes, Back of the Clones. It's yep. like, no, I beg to differ.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: It's now we never got to of see like that. A, Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. It's kind of like a depth charge.
1: It really is, yeah. Um, except probably energy dispersal versus. Well, I mean, it's all energy Concussed dispersal, but
2: under you know concussion and pressure underwater.
1: Yeah. Um, but we didn't get to see Boba Fett's ship in action uh, until Attack of the Clones. Technically, right with its with its firing mechanism and and different things like that.
2: Yeah, but we got to see it better in The Mandalorian. True. I mean, it was pretty good in Attack of the Clones. Um, You got to see more of it, how it flew and moved around. Basically, all we saw it was, like, it drifting out of the garbage and then turning and following. Uh, and that was so, the first you time know, we ever saw it, right? In the, yeah, in Empire. In Empire. Did yeah. it
1: undergo a paint change?
2: I think it underwent a paint change for... Uh, Attack of the Clones. I think it was a different shade, kind of like Boba's got the same armor, but he's changed he's his paint scheme.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
2: But uh, yeah, so you're right. Great ship. The fire spray gunship is what he calls it now.
1: It never was called Slave One on screen,
2: right? Not that I can remember, but that's always been its name. And, you know, whatever it it's it's fine. Doesn't bother me too much.
0: Side effect,
1: side side question. Well, we're going to be talking about the book of Boba Fett in a very soon future podcast
2: next week after the finale.
1: Yes, after the finale. But at one point, Boba says that he's got plenty of credits. Do you think that's the credits that his father got? from the the cloners which he probably was paid substantially, right?
2: Likely because he was also their original trainer too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm think I'm trying to think like how does a bounty hunter have plenty of credits to raise an army?
2: Well, he also did raid, you know, he also, you know, killed Bib Fortuna and took over all of his shit so I'm there's sure...
1: probably it was probably a lot of money there too. Yeah that's yeah. that's true too. Alright anyway, that was a side an aside there. Um so anyway, fire spray. That would that was my contribution.
2: So. Like it uh another quick Star Wars one is the Razor Crest. RIP. That was a pretty fun ship. It was a little bit more like a it's a little bit more like the A Team van in space. <laughs> uh,
1: I was really sad to see the Razor Crest destroyed. I was sad to see the slow death of that ship. (laughs) It literally suffered a slow death. It was in very good working order from the beginning of the show. And it just, it hunkered along.
2: But then it got a decent repair job. at The stop off at Navarro. You know, it might've been stained blue by baby Yoda barf, but, um,
1: Where which one was Navarro? Was was that that the
2: that's Grief Carga's town? All
1: right, you got to you got to describe the you got to describe the planet.
2: Apollo Creed. It's another desert world. Oh, they're always okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, Navarro, where where um, Gina Gina Carano's uh, character was?
2: Yep. Her. Yeah, she settled down with uh, Apollo Creed. That's right. Yeah. He becomes the mayor. She becomes the cop.
1: And we'll never see her again.
2: Until she comes
1: back. (laughs) Until she comes back. And she will be coming back. I'm positive of it.
2: I'm I'm sure at some point it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: James Um, Gunn came back.
1: I know. If James Gunn can come back. (laughs) Which he never should have been fired anyway. I mean, that's a thing.
0: But uh, again. um,
2: Oh, one more. One more. I, I, I would be remiss if I did not put this legendary sci-fi small ship in.
1: Well, this is your next one. This yeah, so
2: The Winnebago.
1: Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> yes.
2: And you know who told me that this would she's my wife said Please tell me when I told her I was going to drop the Planet Express ship. Like,
3: (laughs) are you going to do the Winnebago
2: from Star Wars? So hats off. Star Wars or Spaceballs? Did she say Star Wars or Spaceballs? She's a a huge Mel Brooks fan.
1: Okay, but did she say Spaceballs?
2: She said Spaceballs.
1: Okay, all right. Spaceballs is one of her favorite movies full credit to to Mrs. Cabman then.
2: <laughs>
3: oh yes.
1: Oh
2: yes. This this went over. That was definitely. Son
0: of a bitch.
2: When when she won she she actually said she might listen to the the Futurama <laughs> episode. Uh, but um yeah, she's a big Futurama fan, big Spaceballs fan. So that that's right that's kind of her sci-fi wheelhouse. Not much okay. beyond that.
1: Oh, I, I, hey, I respect it. The Winnebago. The Winnebago. She brought it out. She brought it out. She whipped it out, showed it to us. Uh, And there it is.
2: (laughs) I mean, open the glove box. Liquid Schwartz.
1: Liquid (laughs) Schwartz.
2: They've gone plaid. (laughs) Jam the radar.
3: Radar. Strawberry.
2: Crazy. I hate strawberry. It's raspberry.
1: Oh, it's
0: no raspberry.
2: Person would dare give me the raspberry.
0: <laughs> Lone Star. <laughs> yes. Give supposedly, me the raspberry.
2: Supposedly, George Lucas was a big fan.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that he allowed his property to be. Um, parodied as much as he did. I mean, it was it was well known in Hollywood that he was very liberal with other studios parodying his work. I
0: I mean, right. But
2: I mean, yeah, it's one thing to let some cheesy TV show do it, but to let the legend, the comedic legend. The parody king. Yeah. I mean, he knew he was going to be in good hands.
0: <laughs> yes, that is true. I'm sure
2: it probably wouldn't that surprise me if you found out that he was just a huge Mel Brooks fan, too.
1: Oh, I'm sure he was. The Absolutely. only th-
2: he said, the only thing was they couldn't merchandise it, which was part of the joke, too. That the was a
1: joke. That's where the profits of the movie come from. Merchandising.
2: falls <laughs> the flamethrower. The
1: kids will love the it. The kids love and it. And guess what? I wanted one as a kid. So do I, especially
2: now with, with an ice storm on the front. I was thinking
1: about that flamethrower.
2: Give me the flamethrower.
1: I was thinking about that when, when Eli, e- Elon Musk was uh, marketing his boring company by selling the flamethrower. <laughs> All I could think of was space balls at that
2: point. But the Winnebago.
1: Yeah, that was good. It was good, and and you know, you know, forget the idea that the Winnebago would land on an open platform in open space, no no tunnels or anything, and they would walk to the diner, right? And then <laughs> the alien <laughs> burst out of someone's chest, the same guy's chest from Alien, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was that a was, good one.
2: I think that was John Hurt, man.
1: It was John Hurt. It really, it literally was him. He said, "Not again." I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh,
2: well, anyway, the Winnebago was just fun. It literally is basically what, kind of what the Millennium Falcon was. It, the would, by the time Han and Chewie are flying it around in Episode Four, it really kind of is a Winnebago in space. Really,
3: right? it
1: was, yeah.
2: So it was I mean, it, right. it, it's it's hilarious. They just strapped a pair of wings and rocket boosters out of actual Winnebago it's awesome
1: it was smart that was a smart observation right there
2: yeah it was a that's a good one (laughs) now what do we say we transition into some of the snub fighters and like uh one like I've got
1: one I've got one that's all I got go ahead this is my only contribution to this part the x-wing
2: Again, another very iconic sci-fi. Not,
1: not a specific ship, but the specific type.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: X-wings. Yep.
2: I mean, they were they were so cool. They all they did was mildly redesign it for the sequel series.
1: I know, <laughs> and 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 I I'll never understand how that that redesigned look worked, because they basically cut the turbines
0: in half.
3: Yeah.
1: I, I've, how does that work?
0: Star Wars. Ah, a wizard
1: did it.
2: <laughs> well, do you remember what the, the Hammerheads?
1: Yeah, the Hammerhead Corvettes. I
2: don't know. The Hammerhead was a, the, the predecessor of the X-Wing. They were in the Clone Wars. They were basically like the same style of nose and cockpit, only with... Regular wings instead oh. of full wings, so it kind of looked like the X-wing, a little bit like the X-wing when I
1: don't recall though when
2: it's closed. Well, they were they're in the Clone Wars, and I think maybe in Revenge of the Sith. The Hammerhead Corvette is another awesome small <laughs> ship.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, we got to see that in action. I mean, that was definitely an expanded universe kind of ship, right? Yeah. That was and, in use in the Expanded Universe. And then we got to see it in action where they actually said, where an, Admiral Akbar actually says, use the Hammerhead Corvette.
2: <laughs> no, no, that was Admiral Akbar Light.
1: Oh, that's right. The, the younger guy. Admiral, the, yeah, Admiral the Raddus, guy. Admiral Raddus. Yeah, Admiral
2: Raddus. Admiral Raddus, yeah. I hope because there was actually an episode of Star Wars Rebels. And I think it was probably maybe in the season that kind of led right up to Rogue One. Um, where Princess Leia allows the Rebel cells to steal three Hammerhead Corvettes from Alderaan? So yes, my, I remember
1: that was when we my, were introduced to Princess Leia and Rebels.
2: Right. This is it. it is she my hope she was on a
1: diplomatic mission or something?
2: Right. They were supposed to be delivering food to Lothal or whatever, and she allowed them to be stolen. Um, my hope is that that ship. That took down the Star Destroyer, which eventually, what, didn't it crash into another Star Destroyer and then the gate?
1: And Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And those are the cleanest looking Star Destroyers you ever could see.
2: Right. Tell me that, (laughs) please, I hope that that was one of the ones that Leia gave the Rebels on Lothal. That would have been so cool.
1: You are absolutely correct. They were. I mean, you know they were. Come
2: on. It had to be.
1: It had to have been. I well, just,
2: Hammerhead Corvette, another great small ship that we actually <laughs> got to see a pretty cool scene with. It was one of the, it was a, one of the numerous great scenes in the Battle of Scarif.
1: It was one of those. It was one of those ships where I go. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it pans out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Worked out so, well. <laughs> yeah. Flying right there beside X-wings. Mm-hmm. It Uh, was
1: the Y-Wings, too. What were their purpose? Were they bombers? They weren't bombers.
2: They were fighter bombers. They actually, if you watch the Clone Wars and even, I think, Revenge of the Sith, they Mm -hmm. actually, you know how it kind of looks like they're stripped down in Star Wars and in, like, uh, A New Hope, and... um, Yeah. They are. They actually had coverings, and you got to see them um, like that in the Clone Wars, where they're, like, all covered, and they're all one... Like the same shade and everything as the cockpit, huh. so they look. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, they were neat. I liked the additions of the A wings and the and the B wings. You know, diversifying your your fleet. Uh, obviously, the X wing is easily the best of the starfighters, just because it's better than Tie fighters, which kind of looked like eyeballs with wings. Yes, you know. <laughs> They're still cool looking, but I would rather not have a huge glass cockpit in front of me like that. uh uh-uh. Sand. No. Just sand. No. Um, that was, that similar was with the to
1: B-12 the uh, bombers.
2: Right. Two things I think that were very influenced by the X-Wing were the Vipers from Battlestar Galactica, which just looked like, kind of like the nose in the cockpit of a, of an X-Wing. Sawed-off
1: saw off X-Wings, basically.
2: Right. And the Star Furies from Babylon Five. Yes. Now which the also Star a Furies a, a mecha vibe to it, too. They cause.
1: did have a mech vibe. They had a mech vibe. The Star Furies, I never thought of them. I never compared them to the X Wings. Because because Babylon Five was one of the only sci fi shows to use real physics. To demonstrate well, flying ability, how they
2: operated it, like in space, you know, just using the the engines to rotate. That's basically the same principle of how yep. you turn a tank. It's you can actually you pivot steer, and you get the tracks going basically um, in Opposite. the same right, and they just spin yeah. you almost in place. And so that's what they did with the. Star Fury's like, With the thruster. particularly, yeah, it was really very, uh, very perfectly seen, you know, in some of the fight scenes where, like, they're flying, and they're like, oh, somebody's behind you, and then they do the spin move, and they can While turn. still going
1: in the same direction. Right. <laughs> yeah, which okay. I thought was great. I thought that was, I saw that, I saw that, and that was when I respected Babylon 5. I didn't, I, I didn't like it at the time, but I that- respected it. Because Sound was they
2: were muted in space too in Babylon Five.
1: Exactly. Not, if you heard anything at all.
2: You heard some.
1: Yeah, I mean, they used music as an emphasis. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but that was when I respected Babylon five and I saw that happen. I'm like, oh, hey, they're using real physics. That's that's okay. I gotta look
2: into this. But right. But I think there was some inspiration. You had the Kind of wing slash engines oh, a little, sure. which and I'm not and I'm not saying it's a rip off. I'm just saying it's, it's probably yeah. took some inspiration because yeah. you know in in the reimagined Battlestar, the Vipers were pretty cool, man. They they were pretty <laughs> maneuverable. I I enjoyed them, you know.
1: I love that. Yeah, and Battlestar used real physics too.
0: So
2: I, I will say this: the advanced. Star Furies that came in later seasons started to take on a little more of a. It had a more of an elongated cockpit.
0: Ah.
2: And they really did start to look a little X Wingish.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah.
2: You got to see them in uh, the later season, like the Earth Civil War in Babylon 5, as well as in Crusade.
1: Is B5 I, on Amazon?
2: I believe it's. I think it's HBO Max. Oh,
1: it's it is. It's HBO Max. I couldn't. I I couldn't remember. If you have
2: HBO Max, dive right back into it, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to do that. There's too much to watch. There is. I need to see Clone.
1: I need to finish Clone Wars. I need to. I I need to watch more Cad Bane for obvious reasons. Um. (laughs) So.
2: Well, Uh,
0: I'm all tapped out. I don't know about you.
2: Let me think. We've covered B five. We've covered Star Wars. We've covered Star Trek, Battle Star
0: Battlestar, The
1: Last Starfighter, star Doctor
2: yep. Who. That's a good swath Futurama, of sci-fi. Spaceballs.
0: Yep. Oh my god. Golly, I I swear
2: there's. Oh, you know what? These the Hammerhead Starfighters from. Space above and beyond were pretty cool.
1: Yeah, they, uh, but they weren't iconic.
2: No, but again, I give them an honorable mention here.
1: Okay, I can go with an honorable mention. They were really well done.
2: Some of the things we mentioned, I'm not entirely sure are exactly iconic, but we, we enjoyed them. You know,
1: Most of them were. I mean, mo- if they weren't iconic, they were part of an iconic franchise.
2: Like, uh, you know, Uh,
1: Space Above and Beyond, not iconic.
2: No, and Last Starfighter is still a little esoteric for a lot of people. Oh, well,
0: uh, well, Last Starfighter
2: community, but, you know, it's not part of like an enduring franchise.
1: No, but it holds history in Hollywood for for having the only CGI star battle for the first time in Hollywood history.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So hmm, there's that.
3: Yeah, you know and I
1: use that for my I use the soundtrack for my uh fireworks show every year during
0: Fourth of July.
2: Nice. I, I will say Star Trek, because they were mostly based on larger vessels, did not have what I would say were a lot of great auxiliary vessels and fighters they use fighters a little bit in the Dominion War era. Um the runabout I think stands above them all. The Delta Flyer you might want to add if you're a Voyager fan.
1: Well, interestingly, neither of us mentioned the Delta Flyer.
2: Well, I really wasn't as huge a Voyager fan. I kind of faded out after season, you know, about midway through season 4. College. Um, college and... is
1: college that did that. Um
2: you know, Enterprise didn't really cover much of that. Uh, no. And really, if you look at it, neither does... I mean, maybe La Serena falls into our category.
0: No. No, it's a card ship. That's a fucking I'm just
2: saying, thing. it just falls into that category.
1: It falls into the category. It's not iconic. It is not it is not well-celebrated. It's, it's an ugly-ass ship, man.
2: Oh, one more ship that I forgot to mention... The Wave Rider mm. from Legends of Tomorrow.
1: I have not seen a single Starship, episode of Legends. Time
2: ship. It kind of looks a little bit. It's got a little Millennium Falcon vibe uh, in its design. But uh, it, it it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it obviously it's a time ship. It's got a great cast of revolving. Characters, some most more famous superheroes, others kind of obscure. It has its own uh, mini- little uh, jump ship, kind of like a, its own auxiliary craft of itself. But its its crew is generally, I think, upward, you know, at most like 10. So it kind of fits in our small, uh, you know, small craft sort of thing. Its crew is probably not a whole lot bigger than the Serenity. But it it has flown in space. It has... uh, It jumps through time. It's fought battles. Uh,
1: Now, all right. What was the name of the ship again?
2: The Wave Rider from Legends
1: of Tomorrow. How... uh, All right. Now, I always pictured that Legends of Tomorrow was just a bunch of crude teenagers, like Power Rangers, put together...
2: No, it's it's got some heroes like the Atom, Hawkman, uh, Kid Flash, Co- John Constantine, Firestorm. Oh. Well, they've all a lot of these have rotated through um, over the years. You've had a lot of different ones as well.
3: And some, this, ship, this
1: ship travels through time,
2: through time, through space. It was originally designed as a time ship, but they've also started doing more uh space travel and some of the later
0: seasons stuff
2: yeah especially last season season whatever six where it was like you know instead of dealing with time issues and then they were dealing with um you know historical and actors inachronisms and then they were dealing with mythical creatures and now they're dealing with uh Mm -hmm. then then they were dealing with aliens and so yeah so there's There's some good shit with that, but it's a pretty fun ship.
3: Okay, okay. They have
2: a sentient, basically a sentient computer that can replicate all the different clothing they need to be able to go uh, when they go back in time and shit, so. One thing I learned, only one bathroom. Not great for when you have a crew of 10.
1: (laughs) Not great for when you have a crew of 2,700. Yeah. So,
2: So that's but, a pretty good one. I I would be remiss if I did not say that. And oh, of course, one more. The Milano slash Benatar.
1: God damn it! You're right.
2: The ship. You're from not Guardians.
1: wrong. You're not wrong. The ship from Guardians of the Galaxy, probably the greatest movie ever made. It was the Milano
2: and and Guardians of the Galaxy, but basically, Guardians of the Galaxy is. Space Avengers slash Star Wars.
0: It, it
1: honestly was its own thing, and it was yeah. great. And it was it was the greatest movie. It was the only movie I walked out of smiling and wishing that I could watch it again and again and that they were selling a DVD of it as I was walking out of the theater.
2: It, it had one of the best accompaniments to uh, the opening credits of any movie I've ever seen. With My god, Chris Pratt dancing to Come and Get Your Love by Red Bone. Yup,
3: <laughs> the
2: funnier part is when you see it in Infinity War and you're watching Rhodey, and yep. Nebula listen. watch it. You you're not hearing the music, you're not hearing you're the music, like,
3: but
1: he's singing along to it, uh,
2: so he's uh, an idiot.
1: Peter's sing, singing yes. along to it, yeah, just doing his own thing,
2: <laughs> but it. Is he came so across as do. the coolest
1: guy in the movie, he, but he's like
2: he's like Bargain bin Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Peter Quill because he's he's kind of a little bit more like Lone Star than Han Solo.
1: I'm gonna argue, I will argue that Peter Quill, even though he comes off as a bit of a doofus, and yes, a Bargain bin's Han Solo, he was still probably the most fearless fighter out of all of Marvel MCU history.
2: Uh, I do enjoy him. He is.
1: He has technology, but he he's lived his life in a world where everyone is stronger than him, faster than him. Maybe not smarter than him, but he's, he's one of the smartest, catchiest guys there. And his, his plan in infinity war almost worked. And it was his plan. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, that's it a wasn't... great
2: plan, except it sucks. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. His plan was almost worked. It wasn't Iron Man's plan. For for the record, this is my plan. It's
2: <laughs> like 12% of a plan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 12% of a plan.
2: Anyway. Still a great ship though. I mean it 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 had its own little jump ship too, but mm-hmm. it was kind of a neat different design. You know, it was a little, it was hard, kind of hard to tell just how big the ship was. You know, there's a good chunk of cockpit, but I guess there's decent amount because, you know, you had like six people living on it. I mean, granted, one was a tree, but, you know.
1: Well, no, they weren't necessarily living on it because they were living on the, re- the, the, hold on.
0: The... Nope. Nope. No, at the end, of, at the end of volume two. Uh they had that wing with all the, with the bay of the other ships where they got the Benatar from.
2: Yeah, but that really. And, but as you saw in, uh, you know, Infinity War, they weren't anywhere near Ravage. it. it
3: there, was yeah.
1: a Ravager ship. They yeah. they have a Ravager ship, and there's no no indication as to why they don't still have it.
2: Well, you know. I mean, but you don't see Kraglin in Infinity War either, so obviously he went back to the Ravagers, and yeah. the Guardians continued doing their wacky shit. So. They
1: were just on a scout mission to get more money.
2: Blah 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 bingo So... Spaceballs. This too, the two search for more money.
1: <laughs> the search for more money. I don't think we can end it on a better note than that one. Honestly, no,
2: that, yeah, we went. Yeah. We met. You know, most of the major franchises, plus you know, <laughs> some really
1: good extras. All right. Well, I'm PS McKay. Thank you for watching. So, in the meantime, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, folks.
2: We'll see you on the high ground.
1: Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Kavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci-fi-guys.com
3: for past episode information.